Hi, and welcome to another week of Class Talks. Um, this week, we're going to be talking specifically about management within our context of sports management, but we're going to be looking at what is management. And there's no better way than to look at management than by looking at the four management functions. Graham, how are you doing? I'm good. Yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, Tell me from your point of view, why do you why do we consider the four management functions a key way to understand what management is? I think it gives us a framework to start with, you know, and it's a it's a complex process, uh, lots of variables that are in play. Uh, and so, yeah, having that framework gives us a really nice starting point. Absolutely. Um, like Mintzberg would say is that there's no better way of learning management than by actually being there alongside a manager and mm. seeing what their day-to-day -day is. Um, mm. But from that point of view, we need to actually break down the different areas of where that manager um, actually works and acts on a daily. And that's a little bit of what the, the theory has done. And has created this, this definition of management alongside the basic functions of management, the, the four main functions of management. You will also find that some authors can extend this all the way out to seven. It depends on how you're defining these, these functions, but we'll keep it at four. And these four functions are planning. Graham? Organizing. Cool. Leading or directing, whichever one you all call it. And? Controlling or reviewing. Perfect. Those are the four main functions. So, to start off, planning. Uh, the planning function, this is something that managers do. Managers work with people and with things, and they have to plan how to work with these people and these things. Um, you know that I like to talk about um, this Vimosa a lot, right, Graham? Mm -hmm. Give us a little bit of an insight. What is the Vimosa? Why is that? Any, of any relevance to what we're trying to talk about here in, in planning? Well, I think um, maybe if you, if you start with the definition, um, so um, maybe if you give us a, an outline of what that Vimosa is, and then uh, yeah, we can look at applied, right? Good, good, good point. A Vimosa is a very good way to look at our business strategies where the V stands for vision, the M, the mission, the O, the objective, then the S is the strategy that we're putting in place, and the A are the actions. We call it also a V-most or a V-mosa, depending on, again, the theory, whether the actions or tactics. Different authors have different words. Um, and why I'm referring to the V-mosa, because a manager needs to understand the vision, the purpose, where a business is heading, because that's the vision. What objectives or goals has the organization or business set for itself? And once you know the purpose and you know the goals, you can actually now set your strategy, which voila, that refers to our first management function, the planning. And so would you, consider that strategic management. Yes, if we, if we go more specifically into studying management, that can become strategic management, but then in the breakdown of your management tasks on a monthly, weekly, or daily basis, there still needs to be a planning in place. 
And, and that planning has to be aligned eventually with regards to the overall strategy of the company, the objectives, and then if we go all the way up, aligned with the purpose, the vision that that organization has. So the VMOS is like a tool that we can utilize that helps us align with our overall strategic vision of our company. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. And especially considering that some of our students don't only go into a company, what they are actually managing is a team. You can set a VMOSA or a VMOST, whatever you want to call it, for your team. What's the purpose of your team this season? What are the objectives that you're setting for your team? What strategy are you going to use to get to those objectives? And that allows you then now to get into the planning. Many coaches, for example, consider pl uh, planning the season, planning, planning their training sessions. Well, your planning will have to be in line to that overall purpose that you have. Cool. And so have you used this in a, in a sort of practical sense? Um, maybe you can share? Uh, absolutely. Um, I'll use an example of a few years ago, I had um, a company that we organized um, youth sevens tournaments. And the purpose was to provide 12 and 13 year olds a chance of having representative sport in rugby, which is something that was not present apart from the boys and actually at, the, at, that, at that stage, it was mostly just boys that were able to represent at Roller Mills um, and Walter Dixon level. There was no representative rugby uh, for, for, for rugby players. And you were competing with other codes. And basically from that market appeal, the parents want to talk about their kids making rep teams, playing these extra tournaments. So the basketball, the hockey, the cricket, the um, football, they all had these representative teams or these extra tournaments that kids could go out and play. But rugby only had their season. So we put together this company that um, organized these tournaments and it allowed kids to play another um, version of the game where they could represent their club or they could represent a separate team and play these tournaments. So that was our purpose. It also aligning that generation back in 2012 when the sevens was made an Olympic sport, aligning also that generation to be future Olympians. Because for two, new, uh, two Olympic cycles later, those kids would potentially be 20 year olds and future Olympians. Um, so that's what we did. And then what was the planning? Well, if that, the purpose was to expose 12 and 13 year olds, we had to actually have a strategy to put tournaments together for 12 and 13 year olds. And it had to be kind of a, a rep special type of tournament. So it wasn't something that was ongoing. So we only had two tournaments, for example, a year. And we contacted clubs so they could put a, represent, a representation of uh, boys forward to play. And because it was seven, it was a natural selection. Um, basically the strongest of your 15 man squad, which is usually about 20, 22 players at that age group, your top 12 would actually be the representative squad that was playing. So you were actually only leaving out um, about seven or eight players of 
of your teams to play. So that was the planning that went in to actually having these type of tournaments. Eventually we moved into making it a little bit more representative in terms of uh, competition. So we had a tournament series. So we had three, three mini, three weekend tournaments that led to a final. And that was phased out during the year. That was the planning that we put in place to actually align ourselves to the Vimosa, which was the vision that we had as a company. So it sounds like you could do short-term planning for the immediate tournament, but you yep. might also get some other ideas from that planning process. Like you're saying, started off with two tournaments and then it actually turned into um, a whole sort of um, series. Exactly. And, and Andrea, that you know, um, she, was, she was in charge of setting up the experience operations of the, of the tournament. So she, in her planning, for the tournaments itself, so that short-term planning that you're saying, what she did is that she aligned that one, we had a club where we could actually host a tournament. Secondly, that we had the food carts and coffee carts that were actually coming to be available all day for the families and the, that were attending the tournament. So that was a big part of the experience. And another big part of the planning was to liaise with referees that we had because that was a big part of, of, of generating that experience that we had official referees usually at, in that age group in rugby 12 and 13 it's a parent referee uh, we made sure that those tournaments had official referees uh, roughing the tournament so you would have a final a 12 year old final and you had two official touch touch judges and a referee on the field which made made it a real special uh, occasion yeah, for the yeah. kids to, I mean, to have official Auckland or counties referees for it. That yeah, all it would had been to, a really cool event. Yeah, that all had yeah. to be planned. And that is a management task, a management function, mm. going back to our, our, our topic today. Mm. What needs to be planned so the tournament, which is the operation, the delivery of the operation goes smoothly. I think that's that's quite cool to hear about because planning oftentimes is seen as, as I guess, administrative. It can be seen as a little bit tedious. Um, while we might understand the importance of, of going through it, hearing that it can also present other opportunities that, you know, you start to, from that planning process, you start to see how you could develop things further is, is really neat. So, um, yeah, that's, that's cool to, to learn about. And, and what you're saying actually takes us immediately to that second major management function, which is organizing. When you have clear planning, right? You set your strategy, mm. that's your planning, right? Uh, you all, all of a sudden realize, oh, so if this is the plan, I need to organize all these resources. And by resources, when we're talking about management, we're talking either about physical resources, time resources, or basically materials. Many times we think, oh, we need money to do it. But yeah, money mm. is a financial resource, but what do we need the money for? So we need to consider the human resource, the physical resource, the time resource, how much time you need to do things. You need to consider the material resources and you need to consider your financial resources. You need to organize all that 
because many times we think we're organizing an event and I'm going to need, I'll throw up a random sum, $500. Cool. And we know the plan, but what are we going to use those $500 on? So mm. we need to understand that that financial resource that we're organizing, because actually going out and getting that $500 in terms of sponsorship, for example, in our sporting environment requires organizing the sponsorship letter, the follow-up, having the bank account so the money can be, be deposited, having access to the bank account so you can take the money out and use it for whatever you're using. So it requires some organizing. If you get $500 in terms of a food voucher from Pack and Save, it also requires organizing who's going to go do the shopping, what are we going to shop for, what are we going to use that food for, at the tournaments, if we're going back to that same example. So it requires organizing. Uh, you might think that you need 12 volunteers because in our, in our sporting space, uh, many times that human resource is not a paid employee, it's a volunteer. So how do we organize to use that volunteer? And what is gonna be the trade-off? What's gonna be the benefit for the volunteer for them to come in, participate out of our organization. So we need to organize that. So sometimes organizing the benefit is organizing that, oh, you know what? Pack and Save gave me a $500 voucher. Uh, I'm going to use that voucher and need to organize with Pack and Save that they break that voucher up in 10 $50 vouchers. So I can use those $50 vouchers as a trade-off, as a benefit that I'm giving my volunteers. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that's a really neat way of thinking about the different resources and making sure that each resource is organized to optimize what you have. Exactly. And, and this is and this is where we're going. We need to organize um, the material resources, for example, fields, padding, flags, set up a field. Um, a usual comment that we we hear with um, students having their first internship experiences with sporting organizations that the part that really is disliked is the setup for events. But there needs to be an organization of how that setup happens because it needs to happen. It needs to be organized before the event. But the better the planning, the more organized you are to do that setup, which is also part of the organization eventually for the event. Right, so each of these points actually filter into each other as well. Absolutely, and have a... absolutely. It's almost, it's almost, it's almost like an action cycle. It's almost like an right. action cycle that the planning, good planning, leads into actually knowing exactly what you're planning for, so you can organize the resources that you need to be able to execute the plan. Okay. Yeah. Now the key, the thing is now is that you need to execute the plan. I think I've said the magic word. You know, sport is all yeah. about action. Sport is all about action. Yeah. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, we need to execute. And that takes us into our third uh, management function, which is not exactly executing because you as a manager, as a sports coordinator, you're not doing everything. So that's why this management function is called leading or directing. It's when you know what resources you have and you're, you've organized them to actually lead and direct the actions. Direct what needs to be done. And that's, this is where it's really, really important for a manager to have strong leadership skills. 
because when you're leading or directing these, these actions, you need those volunteers, you need those employees, you need those staff members to follow. So in this leading and directing function in this stage, um, yes, you are giving instructions. Yes, you are supervising that things get done, because it falls on your shoulders. <laughs> but when you're giving instructions and you're supervising, you can become a real pain to staff members or to volunteers. So how do you do it in a way that it's a motivating way, you know, that you're genu generating genuine relationships, especially in our sporting space, you know, which is a feel good industry. How do you generate those genuine relationships through your leadership to actually motivate people to take part and be a part of your organization in terms of executing these tasks. And that's where one of the most overrated soft skills by students is your communication. How do you establish those relationships through how strong your communication? This is where it comes, it comes through, through the leading and directing. It's not just about telling people, how are you communicating? Are you using messaging groups? Do you have instructions already written down where it's really clear and you can pick them up and you just deliver on what you're needing to do? Identifying what's the best way to communicate the group of people that you have to actually be able to lead and direct is absolutely key. And communication, we know very clearly it thrives on first, body language. Secondly, tone. Thirdly, your words. And we need to add in our modern day, the different channel, the channel through which the communication is going is extremely important. Is it verbal? Is it digital? We need to consider the channels that we're using as a manager, especially in these past two and a half years that we're in a pandemic, a lot of our management roles have gone through online. You know, the, the video calls, et cetera. So how through a remote space are we able to actually lead very effectively? That's a key management function. And, and communicating digitally can be, be difficult where tone isn't obvious. There aren't those, as you, you spoke about, you know, the, the cues that you might get in a face-to-face -face meeting. Um, so being considerate around or considering what you're writing, um, thinking about how it might be interpreted, because it it's easy in the heat of the moment to just uh, put down a message, send it out, and it maybe gets interpreted. Uh, not in the way you're intending, and you, you've got now another issue to try and uh, manage and, and understand. Um, and I think that, that was also really interesting to hear because what I could see through that is if 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 you had your uh, if you had really good planning leading into a strong sort of organized approach to whatever you were running, the, that makes communicating a lot easier because you've got a very clear uh, plan of, you know, the, this we need to do here and we need to do it this time and in this way. Um, I agree. I agree. Uh, so basically, basically, the better prepared you are as a manager through your planning and your organization, the leading and directing, it's like when you're fit in the gym. It's easier to play basketball, to play football, 
if you're absolutely really fit, if you've done the work previously in the gym to be fit, so then you can actually execute your talented skills on a court or on a field. It's the same yeah. way that it works for a manager. You do the previous work through the planning, through the organizing, and then the leading comes a little bit easier because you know what you're leading. You know what you're directing. The key issue for me here when it's leading and directing is the supervision because the supervision is what can be misinterpreted of that harsh word that we use, which is a micromanagement. And, um, and knowing how to supervise, knowing what kind of questions, being truthful to your plan. Are you supervising that the person got there five minutes late? Or are you supervising that the job got done and that you're really happy that your volunteers got the job done within the time frame? In our sports organization, because we work with so many volunteers, the supervision is a delicate space because they're not employees, they're not staff members. So how do you keep that supervision realistic to working with volunteers? Right, and that's, that's a, a challenge and a good question maybe for, for, uh, for the students to, to have a, a think on and, and reflect. Um, because yeah, like you've pointed out in a, in a lot of sport, um, we rely on volunteers and, and having that, that balance between delivering on your project um, and, and not uh, micromanaging um, is delicate, yeah. So let's, let's post that question up. The question is, when, for example, you are a sports coordinator or a sports director at a school, your team coaches are usually parent volunteers. How do you execute the supervision of the basketball or netball program being delivered through volunteer coaches in a way that it keeps the program healthy, but it does not push away volunteers. How do you set up that supervision? Right. There's no right or wrong answer. It's a thinking question. How would you do it? Our sport industry is all about human relations. Management is also about human relations. So as we're talking to supervision, it takes us actually to our fourth management function, which is, I hate this word, the controlling, and the word I do like, you can also call it the review function, controlling or review management function. And you go like, well, isn't that the same as supervision, Fran? Well, kind of, but here you're looking at your whole process, at what you wanted to achieve, at your objective, at your goal. We were talking about the Vimosa earlier. You're looking at your objective, and now you're going back and taking a step back and going like, hey, are we delivering on what we want to deliver? And what could we, what do you think we could rely on to actually see if we are on task to what we're trying to achieve as a sport organization or sports team? Right. So if, if I think about that, it's almost like a um, post-match analysis. You know, you've, you've had your game sit Absolutely. down at the, at the end um, and you've got the coach going through and reviewing what went well, uh, what the challenges were, what uh, maybe producing some work on for future. So I'm assuming there's like an action component um, with that review process as well. That spins off it. Absolutely. So basically if we're looking, we're using the analogy of a game, 
um, the controlling the review management function has to do with that review. Um, so if we have a team and we go into a game, as a team, we know we, what we want to achieve. Is it the amount of running meters? Is it the amount of tackles? Is it the amount of passing yards if it was American football? Is it, amount, is it the amount of shots that we're taking from a certain part on, on the court? Is it the amount of rebounds that we're getting, right? Is it the shooting percentage if it's netball? So when I'm talking about all these things, when we take it into business, that is assimilated to KPIs, key performance indicators. Those measurements that we set usually in sports that then we come back and review if we actually met those measurements or not, because those measurements are what's gonna take us to succeed or not succeed. When we bring it into the management, into the business world, the word that we use is KPI, key performance indicators. And here's where we're defining to our staff members, to our volunteers, these are the measures that we want to meet. For example, if, you're, if you have a group of volunteers, we want to have 80% of the team at trainings. So make sure that you keep an attendance to see that we're having 80% of the kids coming to trainings. When you review, you're not reviewing things randomly. You're reviewing things that you've already told your staff and your volunteers of what they're going to be measured on. It's transparent. They know what they're working towards, but then they know what they're going to be reviewed on. That way you could get measures to actually determine, look, we're fulfilling these objectives or no, we're not fulfilling these objectives. And then you can ask yourself why and roll out new actions or new strategies first so you can actually fulfill them. Or do you need to actually move the goalpost? Do you need to set new objectives? That's why we go back and do the controlling review. Now, at a management level, when you're working with an organization, we do need to consider uh, the timings. I, I like to use the concept of life cycle analysis, but we'll just talk about timings. And this could be the season. This could be a month. This could be a week, depending on what is it that you're managing, of how often you come back and do these controls and review. Some might require, like for example, if you're hosting big venue games at a stadium, that after every game you do a review of how the operations went. And that might be weekly. Maybe it's you need to do a review of all your coaches and that's at the end of the season. Each organization will have a different life cycle, timing cycle of when it's the right moment to do the control and review. But to do that adequately, what we need is to know what is that we're reviewing. And that actually comes from your planning right. and your organizing. And all of that would help with your communicating as well. You know, when you're talking about meeting or not meeting a KPI, those can be quite delicate conversations to have, I'd imagine. So particularly not meeting a KPI. So having something that's tracked and measured that you can um, in some ways, maybe take the emotion out of it. If you, if you say it, it becomes an easier conversation to have potentially. Absolutely. And this is where it's really important many times to take a, bit, uh, a management approach um, to managing um, a sport organization, similar to how we manage projects. 
that we know that the project comes to an end and we need to do a review of how it all went, et cetera. But you also set milestones in between where you're checking, checking on, on how we're doing to fulfilling those objectives. So it doesn't hit that hard conversation at the end. It's actually you are building that conversation throughout that life cycle. So um, at, at, the, oh no, at the middle of the preseason, you might want to have a check-in uh, with, the, with the coaches and saying, look, um, one of the key performance indicators for this season is that we want to have 80% attendance of the kids to trainings. So how are we doing with the attendances now in the preseason? Oh man, I'm only getting half the kids here. Well, all of a sudden, it's going to be really high. You know, early in the season, that's going to be really hard to achieve that KPI at the end because you're already not meeting it at the very beginning. So it allows to actually put changes, shift those goalposts of how you're going to be meeting those KPIs, how you're going to be actually changing your strategies to maybe meet the KPI that you have originally set. All right, so this process allows for some flexibility as well. Absolutely. And why do you think it allows for flexibility, Graham? Well, that, that ability to review, adjust, plan, and then go again um, really gives you that, that, that power to do that. And, and especially, you know, if we think of our current environment, that's so dynamic. Um, having a, a management tool that allows you to do that is key because one day it's you're open for business. The next day you might be having a whole lot of different constrictions coming, uh, restrictions coming your way. So, um, yeah, knowing about this tool is fantastic because we can implement it right from the get go. Um, we could even potentially plan for some of those unknowns or unexpected things because you know you can have a plan a and a plan b i imagine as part of this exactly and that will take us to what would be higher level study for you all uh which is one of the strategic management tools called scenario planning uh scenario planning i do mention it in our in our year two paper um is something that was used really well uh at the london olympics the london olympics had no terrorist attacks but this was at the height of when we were at war with Al Qaeda, the Western world, you know, in the, the mid 2010s. Um, and they were expecting some terrorist attacks. So they used for that sporting event, scenario planning, where they set different plans for different scenarios to actually stop the, the possibility of having any threats to the Olympics. And we're in a pandemic now, and that same kind of scenario planning could can or could be used to actually draw out different scenarios of how we can deliver on our vision as a sport organization within the the realities that we're being set at the moment interesting all right so cool so i've learned about um the the process planning organizing leading or directing controlling or reviewing uh learned about vmoses kpis um and taken together a really powerful uh, set of tools that, that I could apply in an organization setting um, with my trust, with my uh, sports team, lots of different situations. Absolutely. And, um, and at the end of the day, these are tools that we use when we're 
managing and working with people because managing doesn't exist if there's not people involved. So whenever we wanna get performance out of people, we can fall back on these business tools to actually get a better performance out of a team or out of individuals that we work with. So uh, powerful transferable tools that we can use that from the business sector into different ways that we work with people. Brilliant. Awesome team. Uh, great to have you all on this week's class talks and we'll see you next week.